0: This is Navigating the Hero's Journey, a podcast where we analyze movies and life through the works of Christopher Vogler and Joseph Campbell. Decided, uh, or, or uh, it was Sarah's pick, and you ended up going with the uh, movie *Promising Young Woman*, uh, written and directed by uh, Emerald Fennell. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Hope I'm saying that right. Starring uh, Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, and uh, Allison Brie. I think those are the big. Yeah, those were the names that I really uh, jumped out at me. Was there anybody else? Any other big names? Well, There's other people I recognize, but.
1: It's a really stacked cast, but for some kind of minor parts, like Alfred Molina is in it, uh, Molly Shannon that people know from Saturday Night Live. Uh, you
0: know what? Yeah, what am I talking about? There, there's a number of, they're almost like little cameos Exactly, uh, even throughout the film.
1: What's his name? Adam Brody. Uh, uh, he's in the beginning. Christopher Mintz-Plazé, who's from yeah, uh, Superbad. Yeah, McLovin. Yep, McLovin.
0: Which, we, which uh, I just showed my daughter that movie this past week. So, did uh, you really? <laughs> yeah. Geez. It's so good. It, I'll tell you what, that movie, not to get off track, but that movie, that, imagine if we started this off, we started talking about McLovin' and just did it totally different. <laughs> which, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it, which is super bad. <laughs> and right <laughs> here we go. Um, that movie really holds up after,
1: uh, what was it, 2006? 2000... Five or six?
0: Yeah, it, I think it's like 14, 15 years. Uh, yeah. It's definitely held up. Um, but yes, there's a lot of different cameos. It's going to be interesting to hear, especially when we're talking about archetypes, because all these little cameos still serve a particular function, an archetypal function. You know, if, if we're going uh, off of what Vogler's talking about in uh, The Raider's Journey. I'm interested to hear what you think each of these little... Uh, and it's t- I know I'm not going to be able to remember all the nuances of each little character, mm-hmm. uh, especially the smaller ones, but... They all definitely serve a certain function here.
1: Absolutely. I think this is a really great example of a movie that, um, reiterates the point that Vogler makes about archetypes that you should see them more as a mask or an energy that can be, you know, put onto different characters at different times. And it helps propel the story forward. Um, So today we're focusing specifically on the Threshold Guardian, the Herald, the Shapeshifter, and the Shadow archetypes. But no doubt it's going to be folded in some previously mentioned archetypes. Um, Right off the bat, I can see Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassandra, being almost a little bit of all of these, really, I feel like. Shape-shifting and shadow is very prominent, but um, I was really surprised when I was reading some of the key elements of a threshold guardian that she kind of is a threshold guardian um, and takes on some of those characteristics um, in that shape-shifting form. So it's kind of neat how they... Sort of blend together there. I think the other character that we're going to end up focusing on a lot for these four chapters is Bo Burnham's character. Uh, what's his name? Ryan, I think. Uh, um,
0: yeah. um, yes, I believe you're right. Yeah. You yeah. should know that, right? It's my name.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have guessed? The shapeshifter yes. is Ryan. Guilty as charged. That's me. <laughs> um <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So. Well, let's, let's just kind of jump in here with the, we'll start with Threshold Guardian first, since that's the first chapter in this section that we're talking about, um, with this one, uh, and actually this kind of blends into some of the other ones, as far as like the psychological aspect. I think the theme of this section is the like emotional scars and emotional baggage of characters kind Mm -hmm. of surfacing. Um, So for the threshold guardian, the psychological aspects of it or characteristics that Vogler mentions are like the neuroses, the emotional scars, the vices, dependencies, self limitations. And so that could be a character that actually stands in the hero's way of crossing into uh, the adventure, or it could be more of the internal struggle of something that's holding the character back. Um, that makes them kind of like push past it. Um, the threshold guardian usually provides a test for the character and is also a signal of new power, which I think is really important with this movie that she represents a constant uphill battle for new power Mm -hmm. that she's trying to, um, change the narrative and this film no doubt had to have been inspired by what was that piece of shit, um, Brock Turner, you know, the guy who raped that girl, and then they were like, oh, we don't want to ruin his life with jail yep. time, just a slap on the wrist. Yep. I, I can do- totally see this being inspired by that. Um, so, yeah, with the Threshold Guardian, the other thing, the part here that made me think she's a little bit of this as well as some other characteristics is they say uh, one of the keys to the Threshold Guardian is it's like, getting into the mindset of the other person, of the opponent. And they use the example in The Wizard of Oz when the characters um, tackle the guards and take their their outfits, you know, and put that on to be able to get into the castle. And we see that with her, with her character very literally. We see it at the end when she has to put on the nurse costume and pretend to be the stripper to, you know, get into their fortress for the bachelor party. Yeah. But then even prior to that, you have the few examples of her, you know, going out to the bar and trying to lure a guy into her trap, um, or even kind of being two-faced when she's confronting people who were problematic with this whole story of doubting, uh, her friend's rape story, you know, yeah. so she's constantly putting on those costumes. So Ryan, what do you... Sorry about these fucking birds. Um, what are your thoughts like on that. there? Do you think that that fits that uh, that she wears the mask of a threshold guardian? Does that make sense in the fact that she's like kind of doing that costume change and?
0: Well, uh, there's there's a few. I think there's a few different ways you can look at it. Uh, because yes, I think that she kind of she does kind of act as her own threshold guardian through most of this film. Because what she's really what this is is her trying to deal with um, the trauma that's happened to. Again, there's a few ways you could look at it, but we're we're gonna say that for instructional purposes, we're gonna say that um, that Nina is is her friend who was, you know, was uh, attacked sexually assaulted by, you know, these. Uh, you know, group of guys. It it was it took place in in uh, med school, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So they're not. So they're a little older than just college age kids when this happened. They're actually. I mean, they're adults. They're probably in their mid to late twenties. Right. When this even happens, um, and it's a theme that keeps coming up, and, it, and it's it's ironic kind of because you hear it all the time in these in these types of stories especially from the assailant side is we were so young we were so young we were so young we didn't know what we were doing we didn't Mm -hmm. know any better it's like uh and i'm not going to say that that doesn't ever apply you know there's always some instances where okay that, that there's an exception to the rule but that's just the uh that excuse has just been exhausted over over the last especially the last decade really since since this is really kind of a lot of this has kind of come into the light but um yeah clearly from the get-go they are not at an age when this happens where they were too young they were old enough to know clearly Uh, this is beside the point but um we're dealing with she this is a woman our main character um cassandra played by carrie mulligan who it took me 10 minutes to realize that that was carrie mulligan at first That took me a while, and I'm I'm a Carrie Mulligan fan, but she was just, she was in this character. Like, she looked totally different to me. Anyway, um, which I think is a nod to her acting and getting into this role, because I was just like, wow, this, that took me a few minutes to realize who it even was. But... um,
1: Well, that's definitely a sign of a a good actor, is somebody who can get into a role and help you forget that you're watching somebody playing a part in the same way that a good movie is one that you kind of forget that you're watching a movie. So I wholeheartedly agree. She absolutely nailed this role.
0: Yeah. The, uh, I mean, even just the, the distortions in her face, I was like, wow, she really looks like she is pained mm-hmm. by this, by this trauma
2: mm-hmm. that,
0: that she cannot let go of. And I think, uh What's different about this movie is that she is the hunter. She is actually the one. She is active from beginning to finish. Uh, you know, from, from line to line, she is active through this entire uh, narrative.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so it changes a few little things up, but I, I think each each time that she goes out and meets a new guy, uh, some of her, some of the people she encounters along the way. So some of them are, especially the men that she uh, meets out at, at these different bars or nightclubs, that she she kind of takes puts on that, that shapeshifter mask. And she is shapeshifting, but at the same time, she's testing herself through putting these guys through a test. She's actually testing them mm-hmm. to see, okay, what kind of person, what kind of man are you? Are you somebody who, you know, are you one of these people who... Uh, are like my you know my friend's attacker mm-hmm. or are you a, or are you a good guy? And that's kind of a test that she throws out at each person. However, those moments become these threshold guardian, the energy is there. Mm-hmm. And these guys unknowingly participate in this. So they are kind of guardians in themselves because she puts them to a test. Now what she is going to do, how she's going to handle that and and how she's going to deal with that, that person very much is up to them. It, it's based off of their decisions and the choices they make. So mm-hmm. it's a game that she plays. It's a cat and mouse game that she's playing, but the game is rooted in her trauma.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's almost rooted in she's becoming... She absolutely becomes a shadow type character here because she's taking on the persona of her friend Nina's attackers, Mm -hmm. and she's making other people feel the way Nina did. Yeah. So it it it's it's the energies are all here. However, it 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 gets a little, you know, and and it's interesting. But I mean, that's what makes it interesting is that the energy is manipulated, and it's actually our protagonist. Who is actually, uh, you know, creating that energy.
2: Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm.
0: manipulating it. Uh, so, but but it's it's this is an interesting film because so many of these characters wear different masks. And sometimes, depending on how you're looking at the story, they can be wearing two or three masks in the same scene.
1: I feel like that's majority of the movie is that people are wearing multiple masks. And that's why it's so it it subverts your expectations and it just feels like a really fresh take on things yeah um and to this is i guess this is not like a super sidetrack because it's about the story but to like pull it back to a more macroscopic view of the story when you were talking about um her adventure in this and like this cat and mouse game with the guys at the bars or the people that were involved in the um the whole rape assault story. It was making me think just now about the structure of the story. And another reason why I think I liked it so much is because it's a fresh take and a, like a big pivot on a traditional story that, um, if you think about what is her ordinary world and what's the extraordinary world in this story, I would argue. That the ordinary world is this anti-hero world of revenge. That's like cold open. We are in yeah. that. That is her life is she's this, you know, like Batman style hero. She She's just going for it. The extraordinary world, at least for an A story on this, is quote unquote a normal life. Like love, relationship, yeah. what her parents want, what... Um, Nina's mom is like, let it go and go for this. Yeah. And so. It's a
0: chance at, yeah, at a nor- what's normal anymore? You know, what's a normal sure. life? But it's her chance of having, it's her chance of finding peace.
1: Yeah. But, you
0: know, with, peace, with
1: a peace. But the, the struggle is that, like, people are telling her to push this trauma aside and let it go. So it's it's a struggle of, like, I want to. I want to have this life, but I can't without this, like, closure on that. And everyone's saying just shut the door and don't deal with it. You know, so I feel like that's the struggle. She's,
0: I think that, um, I mean, I I guess what in in an ideal situation is the person's trying to find healthy ways to cope Mm -hmm. or to deal with this um, or to find channels where if she feels as though somebody is responsible or there's a guilty party, her finding, her finding, channels you know her struggle to find channels of uh that are healthier to Mm -hmm. to bring you know to to bring justice to the situation um i think that we're we're catching this we're picking up in this story years after uh it seems like years after any of those healthier channels uh it seems like they've already been exhausted or they never really were given a chance to uh to develop so right. therefore, she has pushed all of this, you know, this 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 trauma and this negative energy and this anxiety and stress and guilt. Um, she's pushed it all down,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: now, unfortunately, when you push it down, you're pushing it down, and these are just repressed feelings and emotions. They do come out, and mm-hmm. when they come out, that's when that, that shadow side, that shadow energy, really starts to surface. Is when these things have been dealt with in unhealthy ways for far too long that unhealthy patterns kind of are now the uh are now the autopilot you know you, you know, when you hit autopilot you're now just constantly in this negative she's she's in, she's on the hunt she's out for mm-hmm. justice in her own way she wants revenge not even justice anymore it's revenge
1: mhm exactly um,
0: the, the one thing, before before we pass up the uh, Threshold Guardian, the last thing I wanted to bring up, which uh, Vogler kind of says in an in a interesting way, it um, uh, was just that the, the Threshold Guardians are not necessarily to be defeated, but incorporated. So it's almost like, he actually says literally, taken into the body. Like you absorb the energy from these Threshold Guardians. So I think that what... I, I think that, because I know that, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the first person that she, that she, uh, the first man that she takes home, it's like, there's this guy didn't stand a chance, he's a scumball, but the second guy that she takes, it, it's, that's not, because uh, Ryan actually asks her out, but the second guy, he ends up picking her up, but he ho- he holds back, right? He doesn't take advantage of her.
1: No, he he does. You have Adam Brody. His character is the cold open at the bar. Yes. Yep. And takes her home. The second one is McLovin, um, and he is like putting his hand on her and making out with her and stuff.
0: But he still lives, doesn't he?
1: I think that they all live. I think that the the whole like red pen ink and all these things are just to make you think and wonder is she really that evil but i don't think she is because later um when she i think it's at the midpoint when she's at the bar and taking home another guy but then runs into ryan outside of the bar even though she blew him off the guy that she's trying to take home is like oh you're that girl that that busted jerry who i think jerry is adam brody the first guy yeah um so i i don't think she's killing them but
0: Who's the Who's the hitman? I you okay. So do you think that's I, it? I want to hear what you think.
1: I don't. I don't think that he's. I mean, he is like a quote unquote hitman, but I don't think his intention ever was to actually kill someone. And I don't know what the involvement is there, like how she got connected with this guy. But it's mm. the same thing as what happened with um, what was uh Allison character Madison. That she gets, like, day drunk, and then she wakes up in a hotel room with a guy, and it was a whole setup of, like, no, he didn't touch you. He's just there making you think that that's what happened. So you think he's just a
0: psychological hitman.
1: Exactly. I think he would have gone in and just, like, fucked with this dude, but not, not killed him. Okay. I think she pushes the boundary as far as she can.
0: The, um, the, here's another thing. And again, I think this could be taken in a few different ways. But do we ever see Nina?
1: No. You just see the necklace, and I think well, you see photos of her, but you uh-huh. know, no like flashbacks or anything.
0: Um, the way that this movie could absolutely be 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 interpreted is Nina is her nina is the part of her that died when she was uh, attacked it's her coming to grips with losing that part of her personality i mean it, it, again it, i don't know if it really makes a difference how you interpret it i think yeah. the message still comes through but um i a part of me thought that this is very much as, as far as how a lot of this thing how how it's structured it almost seems like it was her and it's because every because a lot of the things people keep saying to her are are very uh, are very much what you would be saying to somebody who's gone through a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like she was attacked. Yeah. Um. But it's just the way the story yeah, is told. Yeah. I as mean, I I can friend. see what you're the saying. Only, the, only, the only thing is, is that I think a lot of people disassociate and look at that as, hey, that person. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that person anymore because that person. Is damaged <clears throat> you know that person um brought that on that person drank too much that person invited that those horrors into into their life i'm not that person anymore they've that's that i mean to be honest with you that's the way i took the movie hmm. um is that because we never really see her with her in any kind of flashback in any kind of um even the video is just audio,
1: right? But like her, her computer, the screensaver that pops up, the montage of photos is her and Nina, and yeah. then she goes to visit Nina's mom, but then has her own mom in the story. How did that change your perspective on? Yeah, this interpretation.
0: Um, I I still think because again, I think that a lot of, especially a story like this, could be. A psychological story uh, so much of that could be pl- been, being played out in the hero's mind
1: I see I think that um, it's it's a neat but, but interpretation it's, but, but, it's all,
0: but it's all personified as actual characters having different functions again that's that's an interpretation I'm not saying it's the right one yeah but, but you can see how uh, very much what she was going through would be the same emotions of somebody who went through something like that um, not being able to to move on in a healthy way right um and because i mean yeah they keep referencing that you know that that nina there was how do i put this they keep um But let me come back to that thought. I'm going to save it for the shadow, for when we get down into the shadow. <laughs> so, okay, sorry. Oh, good. But uh, but my hope, but my my whole point being that uh, yeah, a lot of these threshold guardians. It seems like she learns something from them. even though she's the one testing them. She does learn something, takes on that that energy or whatever, and moves on. Whether it gets her more fired up or whether it makes her sit back and you know, especially with the re- the relationship with Ryan, I feel like that's. That's what our our, our uh, special world is. Like you said, is is her chance at having this. It's her chance to move on. It's her chance to, to, to get out from under under her own psychological this dark umbrella that she's she's uh, kind of put over her her own head, mm-hmm. um, and has just been stuck. She is just stuck in a certain. She's frozen in life, is what she is. She's just stuck here. She can't get beyond it. And uh, this is her chance to finally, you know, that's going to be the question. Can she move on? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's our central question. Can she be fixed?
1: In in thinking about your point of um, the Threshold Guardian, that their interaction with the hero is that the hero would absorb the Threshold Guardian's energy to be able to move on. And when you first mentioned that, i was actually thinking of it more from a perspective of the character that interacts with the threshold guardian absorbs that energy and evolves and so i think that this could apply both as the character that the threshold guardian interacts with and the protagonist because
0: absorb each other yeah
1: yeah, because each of the guys that she sets up, or even like the dean when she, you know, tricks her about her daughter, or yeah. Alfred Molina's character, the the attorney, um, it doesn't really matter. And it, but they're all like learning from the Threshold Guardian and absorbing. So these people that she's tricking with these situations and these setups, they're realizing the mistakes they made and they learn a lesson and move on. But then at the same time, she's kind of absorbing their mentality. Like the, the note that Vogler had of like getting into their mindset, kind of like a, a hunter getting in the mindset of the animal that they're stalking. So there it's, it's interesting that it's, it's not just isolated to the hero learns from the threshold guardian. It's that whoever's wearing that mask, the interaction they have with the others. They learn, and it still is propelling the story forward.
0: Well, it's also why you also see that Threshold Guardians are usually the characters that can be... uh, that are oftentimes uh, the ones that quickly can be transformed into allies. Yeah. So it's almost like the two energies come together, the hero energy, that Threshold Guardian energy. And yes, it's a test... They're both, they are, they, no matter how you look at it, they're always, te- they're testing each other. Doesn't matter who wins mm-hmm. that, that little bout. <clears throat> it, it is a test. And I think that both of them, you know, whether it's the, uh, oh God, what's, what's the name of the, uh, whenever I think of Threshold Guardian, one of the first ones that, that I think of is the, uh, is it the, is it the Dark Knight or the Black Knight in, in Monty Python who's guarding the bridge?
1: The the one who, like, loses his limbs. I, he loses I everything, think and he the still black wants
0: to fight. Is it the Black Knight?
1: The Black Knight, I think. Yeah.
0: I think that, I think that might be it. But um I always think of that being, uh, uh, being a threshold guardian. It's like it's testing you, but it really, you know, it's like there's a lot of hype
2: to yeah. get
0: there. And then when you realize, you know, oftentimes the hero either l- realizes quickly, like, whoa, I better keep training. Or mm-hmm. it's like, wow, I'm I'm better at this than I thought and they right. build, and they either, they're either building confidence with each threshold guardian <clears throat> or they're getting knocked down a peg and realizing I better get focused. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I'm going to, if I'm going to make this, I have to reevaluate and and come up with a new you know plan in some ways. Right. Um <clears throat> but but there are there are times cuz even um I mean, really? You even think of a lot of the all-time allies, greatest allies. They started off as threshold guardians. I mean, in so way, like Han Solo was right. a threshold guardian. He had to be persuaded. Luke Skywalker was not going to go in there and persuade him by himself. He needed a he needed a wise old man mentor who was mm-hmm. more, more you know more seasoned with life to be able to uh, engage with this threshold guardian, who then becomes his his biggest ally. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, you think about that? Han Solo sitting there with a humongous Wookiee. thats intimidating. That is, you know, we all look at it like, yeah, it's Han. When you first got there, right? Again, I was whatever four or five years old when I saw it. I don't think I was all this was processing, but the first time that Luke gets there and, and meets him, he's a threat. He is not this. Hey, come here, buddy. Right. You know, he's got a he's got a seven foot creature with him. Mm -hmm. and it's very intimidating so that is absolutely a threshold guardian where at the end of that exchange the energies are now have been kind of are are now going back and forth they're now synergistic energies Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so um but i think uh when, when applying to this story each of them do do change because the man you know depending on how you're looking at what happens if they fail the test? Whether they are really getting killed or whether they're just getting set up and mm-hmm. put into this scary uh, scenario uh, that d- just makes them think about things from or makes their life uncomfortable? Um, yeah, everyone's changed after that. Everybody, you know, even the, the the guy who takes her home isn't going to forget that. Oh man, I shouldn't have done that sh- that shit.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think of the threshold guardian from more of a psychological perspective. I think that really helps to understand that archetype, that energy, that mask that is transferable to different characters. Well, and even
0: if you see, think of it, I mean, even when it says neurosis, I mean, just think yeah, exactly. neurosis, think about your, everybody's everyday activity. You, you, you hit a threshold guardian,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: you know, you wake up and, and uh, you know, whatever you're, you you do not have hot water mm-hmm. from your shower it's like, shit, man, this, this, that's an energy that could, could be considered a threshold guardian.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, are we
0: going to let this kill our entire day? Or are we going to hurry up and take a 30-second shower, <laughs> hit all the important parts, and get on with our day?
1: <laughs> right.
0: You know? <laughs> hit the – no, I'm <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I, I, so it, it's more of neurosis. It, it, it's that, those little things that, that piss you off. Mm-hmm. Um, and stand or just in your way, Go
1: projections ahead. of your self limitations too. Yep. Sure. Um, and yep. it, it's interesting that you have that. And then let me let me pull up here. That parallels so well with the shadow archetype, sure. though, too. And I think we've given some good examples of a very traditional uh, threshold guardian as just a standard character like Han Solo, who becomes an ally and is a separate entity from the hero. Not to say that Luke Skywalker never wore um, a Threshold Guardian mask, but for all intents and purposes, Han Solo is a Threshold Guardian and he is separate from our protagonist, um, versus this story that we're talking about of how Cassandra's character is constantly changing these masks or layering them and so the the threshold guardian we're talking about the neuroses are like internal ticks whether we're projecting them on somebody else or we are facing them internally and it can be some like deep-rooted anxieties but it's more in the vein of like your vices your dependencies that kind of thing that's stopping you versus yeah. the shadow is more of the repressed feelings the trauma and guilt the psychosis of it so yeah. it's a little different than just like your weird quirks and anxieties it's like no this is your core memory your traumas that are like pulling you down and yeah. typically have that like negative impact on it um
0: yeah if you if you were to build up a whole army of threshold guardians or the neurosis mm-hmm. if you put enough of them together you're going to, you know, it's going to turn eventually to psychosis. It's going right. to turn into something that all together, that these threshold guardians are strong. And mm-hmm. when they're all fighting together at the same time, that's mm-hmm. kind of what embodies that shadow. When yeah. all of your own personal, you know, from a from a, <clears throat> from an internal, uh, an inner journey uh, standpoint, it's, it's uh, you know, all these things are, are, you know, they're breaking you down little by little by little if you're letting them win. If you aren't addressing each threshold guardian
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and, and getting over and getting past them uh, in a healthy way, um, yeah, they can all stack up and become this shadow energy, which, yeah, they're, like you said, it's uh, that psychosis. And this thing is out to kill the hero. Right. This, this isn't just to test the hero or to put them through, you know, a couple of. Uh, couple small little battles this thing the shadow is out to take complete control and to destroy the hero
1: right it's the energy that the hero projects onto the enemy and sometimes in stories I wouldn't say it necessarily applies to this particular one because I think we can all agree that uh, what's that guy's name Al Monroe is a a garbage person and is evil Um, but for some other examples the antagonist or the villain of the story isn't necessarily like a bad person villain. They're just going after the same goal as the protagonist. So the protagonist is projecting a lot of this shadow energy onto the villain. Um, And it's typically, as Vogler puts it, suppressed monsters of our inner world, things we don't like about ourselves, qualities we've renounced. Um, And as you put it, the, it's a destructive force if we don't confront it. Um, the um, So I think it goes so, into play with this one both ways, that it's her internal thing and he is just an evil energy.
0: He is. He is. And, and, you know, all the guys that are in there are. But I would say she is the actual shadow energy because she can't get out from under it. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it has her... It has complete... Because actually... Spoiler alert! Um, yeah, the the shadow wins in this. Mm-hmm. The shadow energy wins in this,
1: but in a in a transformative way of bringing good and closure. I think um, I, I agree. I think she really does embody this shadow energy, probably the most of everyone, because it's really what's propelling her story forward, um, and even like. Like, I would say he is
0: more of an antagonist. Al Monroe. Yeah, because really, he is just that. He is an energy. You don't see Al until, what, the end? Yeah. All you do, every time that his... And they do a cool job with it, too, because as I was watching, as soon as... uh, Was Al Monroe... What's his name? Mm Mm-hmm. As soon as his name is brought up, did you hear the strings start to play? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. As soon as
0: they said his name, it's like,
1: it made it's me like think of like Kill Bill, like yep. when it's like brrr, yeah. like that alarm yeah. kind of going off. It's like right away you're like, oh, let's pay attention to this
0: Al name. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but exactly. But really, he is this. Yeah, I mean, you, you could you. It, it's a dark energy. It, I mm-hmm. think I think because we don't really see him till the end. You mm-hmm. want you want to put a face on this villain. hmm. But really, with. with If you look at how these energies work she is the one who goes into this dark energy and lets it consume her
1: definitely however if i can throw in the other aspect of the shadow is that sometimes it can present in a positive way or a manipulative way and this can also kind of weave with the whole shape-shifting concept that we'll get to in a minute um but giving the shadow energy like a touch of goodness and that can seed some doubt in the hero's mind when they're trying to battle the the shadow. I think yeah. the moment that we really feel that, um, Al Monroe's character embodies that kind of shape-shifting side of the shadow archetype is in the end, in the whole final bachelor party scene, is he's putting on this facade of, oh, I'm a good guy. My fiance would kill me if she knew about this. Come on guys. I said no strippers. and. Oh, I'm 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 good, I'm changed, I'm a good boy, right? <clears throat> so you you kind of start to think, and I think that this is just ingrained from our society of again going back to the Brock Turner thing of like, oh, don't ruin this poor boy's life. No, fuck him. Come on, seriously. He's reformed, right? Yeah, but he's he's not. And I'm so glad that she just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and doesn't give into this stuff because then we see his true colors show when he fucking, you know, smothers her to death and kills her Mm -hmm. and breaks down and cries. And he then he is facing the shadow energy of the suppressed monsters in his world. And he realizes the heavy mistake that he made in his life. And this is how he like literally shoves it back down again but then quickly turns on when his friend comes in the room of like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And so he just keeps going back to that, that like false positive shadow. So how
0: about how his friend comes in and he's like, it's going to be all right, man, we'll we'll figure this out. It's like, did you have a uh, dead body?
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. You're trying
0: to figure out how you're, (laughs) yeah.
1: I, you know, I got to say about that character and I, I should have written down his name, but he's a new girl, the, the buddy, I'm assuming the best man. Um, When she went to the bachelor party and he opened the door, I'm like, that's got to be Al Monroe because that dude always plays such a douchebag. And I guess I'm kind of glad it wasn't him because everything, it would have been expected. There's so much about this movie that's like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Oh, shit, it doesn't. And just keeps subverting your expectations. So that was great casting. But anyway, I just wanted to point out that example of how the shadow isn't always like super negative or it can transform in a shapesh- shapeshifter manner or present in a false positive way. Um, so I totally agree with you that she embodies the shadow for the entirety of the movie, even after death. But there is a moment where he does put that shadow mask on like, and I it's really a, cool. A,
0: well, I think with the death of her, it's he completely takes on that shadow energy
1: from that yeah. point forward. But it's also that same kind of flip of her trying to present positive of like, you know, with the text thread, the posthumous text thread uh with the guy, with Ryan. Mm-hmm. And like smiley faces and stuff of like all good. Haha, whatever. Got you. It's the well, same kind of thing.
0: Well, I think at that at that moment it's balance has been restored.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely. Um,
0: no, and, and what I'm saying with, with with the shadow energy winning in this, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes it's uh it's for the for the purposes of the story, the shadow has to win for things to be uh for balance to be restored, for the for mm-hmm. those pol- polarities to come back within you know, uh yeah, to come back into into balance.
1: So and you're saying might... you're saying that the the resolution is Like the hero has the shadow on them and then they like get rid of it. And that is, I feel like I'm wording this really poorly, but that's how you resolve that story arc in the same way that if the antagonist was the shadow archetype, they get destroyed. So the shadow is gone and no longer a conflict for the hero. That's the
0: the resolution. Well, well, the thing of it is I I think that her goal was to find peace
2: mm-hmm. she,
0: she did by the end it's just physically she doesn't make it <laughs> her her, yeah. her soul is now in a state of peace you know but yeah she had to go through extreme measures to reach that and to go into a very dark side of her to be able to, to get to get to that because mm-hmm. she because she felt the motivation was her the, the hero's motivation to um you know, to, a, to, to kind of uh, reach a just, you know, to reach that justified conclusion, to, to, you know, after her, her friend was not killed physically, but psychologically and emotionally, her friend was killed. Mm-hmm. This guy killed her spirit, so to speak. Right. And what we finally get at the end there is he also kills the actual body. He actually goes as far as to kill the physical form of life. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah. So you can say, "Hey, he was too young; he didn't know when he." You can say that all you want when he destroyed the soul of of uh, Nina, but when he actually, you know, you, and people can get away with that in a materialistic world because oh, yeah, you didn't do any damage. See, everybody's fine. You know, we all we all we all were able to walk away from that. It's like, yeah, you were because you didn't have the same mental trauma delivered mm-hmm. to you that was to your victim. So right. Just because you're okay doesn't mean that everyone else is. Um, so her soul was killed that night, Nina. And then what we see is this guy kind of finishes the job there at the end to show his real, you know, his true colors and goes as far as to kill the actual, uh, the physical form of Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question on
1: that. <laughs> I think you did. Um, um, am I... Sorry, am I frozen on your screen because you're frozen on mine? But no, I can you're still not. hear you. No, you're fine. Okay. That seems damn, like damn Wi-Fi. I know, but I can hear you. Like you're not breaking up. It's just your picture froze. But all um, red.
0: Right on. But um, yeah, I mean, this was a tough one because because it, it's uh, because Carrie Mulligan's character is—I mean, you you would call it a shadow hero, a, a, or, or at least a um, ant, You know... An anti-hero.
1: I think and, inevitably and, anti-heroes do carry the shadow or wear the shadow mask. They,
0: they they do, but I think there's some that are more shadowy than others. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true.
0: I mean from the very get-go, this girl, like I said, she is a hunter. She mm-hmm. is a seductress. She wears every mask you could possibly wear.
1: Mm-hmm. She
0: wears it. She is a shapeshifter. Its very essence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, she
0: uses that skill set of being able to whether it's play drunk, play dead, um, be sober, be 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 uh, engaging, be up. Mm-hmm. She can play all of that. She's right. Ver- she's very intelligent. Um, it's
1: it's really cool to see how her character is so layered, and I think that's what makes it extra interesting is that she is the hero, she is the shadow, she is the shapeshifter, she is the threshold guardian. Um, she can be considered the herald too. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's really neat. And it's not just that she puts one of those masks on for a moment to get over a certain part of the journey, but she's like constantly layering all of these masks and using it. In a great way, it's not super confusing or convoluted or anything. I think it works brilliantly. I love the... I think everybody in this movie feels like a shapeshifter.
0: It seems like everybody is in some way or another.
1: I love it. I absolutely love it. This, This movie, again, I keep saying it subverts your expectations, but it really did every aspect of it, aside from having seen the trailer so I knew what like the cold opening was all about and how she was gonna twist that and not actually be drunk like i I expected that but
0: oh i didn't i didn't know a thing about this movie oh that's
1: that's exciting it's it's good to go into it blind um so the shapeshifter When I heard that name for the archetype, I assumed that it was just somebody totally evil and there's no good to them. And you think of like, uh, Harvey Dent, two-faced, you know, that it's just pure evil, but it's really, really fascinating. Again, like I keep going to the psychology of all of these archetypes. It's neat that it's not so much about just being like two-faced and inherently evil, which it can be, but shape-shifting as Vogler says is a natural part of romance so this archetype traditionally shows itself in the romantic relationships in a movie and before I knew that of course I wrote Bo Burnham's character um Ryan as the wait is it Ryan yeah okay I I keep getting it (laughs) mixed up he just he doesn't look like a Ryan you know um what's what's that mean (laughs) (laughs) So I I wrote down Bo Burnham, of course, because you have this big pivot with his character, this big reveal that he was actually at the party and all that. And it's it's tricky too, because he's a pediatric surgeon and he comes off as this very sweet, hopeless romantic and Mm -hmm. tries so hard to court her. And they just seem so perfect together. Um, But of course you've got to have a wrench like that thrown in. But to think of this character as in the way that uh, Carl Jung puts it of the animus and the anima, Mm -hmm. animus being the, like, we're going to go with binary genders for this just for the sake of Carl Jung's definition, but the woman's perception of men, and that can be, like, their dreams, their fantasies, what they envision as the embodiment of the male persona. And then the anima is the opposite, that's the male perspe- perception of women and so you have this like tug of war kind of going on with your expectations of things and so that's one part of it um yeah, is th- that think, like
0: And i think that <clears throat> i think young goes as far as to say that there's actually a part of your psyche you know as far as for females mm-hmm. um that has that that male energy or that male element to the psyche right and and vice versa where you know which can be embedded in there from a lot of things a lot especially your relationship with parents that's usually and and, and, uh siblings that's definitely stuff that drives at home but yeah it's it's really become something that you have uh developed over time because of you know a lot of time your external environment is what Mm -hmm. you create that from i'm sorry go
1: ahead no no that's that's great because i think that this What I'm trying to get at is the shapeshifter absolutely is Bo Burnham. I mean, you can see that very literally, he's the boyfriend, he does like an about face in the story with the bombshell coming out, but she is also the shapeshifter and she has that kind of energy in her too, because as you were getting at, um, not only is this our projection of the opposite sex and our internalization, but it also represents the socially repressed traits that we are trying to regain. So the way that I see it for Cassandra's character is that, again, painting this in the binary gender stereotypes that society has taught us and not getting into a discussion about gender identity, um, but she comes off as an embodiment of a lot of masculine traits. Mm And speaking as somebody who's been through sexual assault, I think that's because after something like that happens, you tend to repress your femininity because you don't want to, you know, be out there as this, like, beautiful woman that could, quote-unquote, attract the wrong look. Or, you know, you're trying to... Attract the wrong energy. Exactly. Attract the threatening
0: energy. I mean, yes, you you want to put yourself out there in the most positive way. However, when you've been scorched by doing yeah. that,
1: you're you going to have to do it again. Right, right, exactly. Um, so I feel like for her, and this could back up your theory about all of this Nina not being another character, that Nina is actually, actually a different aspect of Cassandra. But either way, she was directly impacted by this sexual assault so much that she embodies the energy as though she had been through it. And in the shapeshifter, um, kind of gender persona aspect of it. I feel like she has repressed a lot of her femininity because she doesn't want to be in that situation maybe again. And I see Bo Burnham as pulling out the feminine side of her that we Mm -hmm. see her, let her guard down and kind of shift to the other (laughs) gender, so to speak. Um, so thinking of it in that, that it's, it can be a character who is potentially two-faced or changes like that, but then also thinking about the energy in her and kind of a struggle of what should I be? What does society tell me to be? What do I need to be as far as the like feminine masculine features? Mm -hmm. So it's very complex, but again, it just adds more layers and depth to her character and just like a constant internal conflict as well as an external conflict. You know, and I think that's what helps with the story, just constantly moving forward.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, would you... Because Bo Burnham's character, Ryan, is a very interesting character because he's a shapeshifter that doesn't really shift, except in her perception of him.
1: But... But the dramatic side of a shapeshifter, their role is to bring doubt and suspense to the story. And I think that is the key thing about his character wearing the shapeshifter mask is for me when I watched it, when we got to what was it about 30 minutes in, I think is where their relationship really kicks off Yeah, um, in a more traditional sense. It's not that cat-and-mouse game going on between the two of them, it's like that's when you have the pharmacy scene and all the cutesy montage stuff of a rom-com. He brings doubt to the story because when I'm watching it and when we hit that 30-minute mark, I'm like, oh, no, okay, so is she throwing all this stuff out the window, and now she's just like, I'm done with trying to seek revenge. I'm focusing on this relationship with this guy, and it's going great, and I'm going to move out of my house, and we're going to get married, and blah, blah, blah so it planted a seed of doubt for me with the story and it kind of caused anxiety of like, wait, why are you giving up on this? Like you were fighting for such a good cause. Don't let this guy sidetrack you like that. So that's how I felt like he really embodied the shapeshifter as well as having kind of a different side of him, even though he didn't attack anybody, but he was still at the party. You know what I mean?
0: It's it's so, it, it, it's a very interesting, the, the way that you're talking about it, it it's uh it's very interesting how you were viewing that relationship. And, yeah. And, uh, com- Just like compar- as, as compar- a woman compar- watching yes. it. Yes. yes. Compar- yeah. com- cause I was sitting there during that whole thing thinking, Oh man, I really hope she gets her shit together and can drop this side of herself so that she has a chance of being happy with this guy. Because this oh, guy is, is uh, <laughs> cause this guy is her oh. opportunity to get over these demons.
1: Oh my god, that's, you know, it's interesting you say that because um, I was reading a little bit of trivia about this movie, and one of the things was that at an early screening, maybe it was even Sundance, because this I, was in i
0: I'll just say this real quick, it felt like yeah. I was watching two different movies to oh, me. Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay, okay. Absolutely, yes. it, at, at it least was for a
0: while, until, there was a, until you start getting the big tie-in, and then it was yeah. like,
1: oh. Yeah, yeah, when you okay. hit the midpoint, then it's like okay, we're back on track, it's clear now what the journey is, but it, it's an interesting sidetrack with um, with Ryan. But I, I didn't
0: mean to cut you off, you said you were reading that trivia yeah thing.
1: So Emerald Fennell, the writer and director of this, said that her experience with one of the early screenings of this with a full audience was that uh, a fight broke out between a couple that was in the theater watching it because the guy was disappointed with how things were playing out and the girl was of course rooting for Cassandra's character saying like yes go fucking seek revenge and I don't know what scene it was exactly but um the the guy was just like this is stupid how she's handling this situation and the girl was just like no this is exactly what she needs to do and the two were fighting about it and the lady said, if you don't like it, you need to leave. Like, I am here for this movie. I'm loving this. And so Emerald Fennel was like, I was hoping that this would be a thought-provoking movie and get a conversation going. I didn't know that it would be that energizing right out of the gate that you would have a couple fighting over it. Yeah. But I feel like we had a similar discussion possibly with, um, uh, coincidentally, Bo Burnham's film Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade, yeah. I think it was a a similar thing of watching the movie, which is about a young woman mm-hmm. from a female perspective, or you know from it was you and Josh talking about it from a male perspective, yeah, yeah, that, and just some kind of bigger themes about it because it's this you yeah. know transitional period for the girl, but anyway, to go back to the shapeshifter though, I absolutely I was drawn i it's tough because Bo Burnham comes off as this, like, very genuinely sweet guy. And I think he is sweet. And it's it's really disheartening that he was at the party and didn't do anything. I think yeah. that he is absolutely guilty of that. And so I agree with her decision to leave him behind because that's that negates everything that she's done and stood for and said up until then. Yeah. She would have to just completely disown her own morals and virtues. But so yes i felt like i really wanted to root for the the couple and her happiness but at the same time i my heart was mostly in the like moral compass part of it and so he came off as a, a home fatale like you know there's the femme fatale yeah. so he was the male version of that um in that he is a temptress to pull her off course not yeah. intentionally he didn't know what she was up to but that's how he functions. That's his shapeshifting part of it. Was to sidetrack her because she stopped doing her thing for a minute there.
0: It's here it is. I, I and this is what where there's different nuances here is that that's what his function is in the story. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that was his intentional? Do you think he was intentionally trying to get her off of anything? No, to get her it, sidetracked, or do you think he genuinely not. really wanted to hang with this girl?
1: Genuine. And that's why I Here's think it was so my, tough. My
0: only thing is, is, is that if everyone in med school knew that Nina was her best her best pal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how was he not making that connection?
1: <laughs> I know because didn't he say that he had a crush on her in med school? Yes,
0: and if you knew that. The, the girl you <sighs> dude, had to
1: Dude, cr- now you're planting a seed of doubt. You're a shapeshifter in this fucking podcast, dude. <laughs> now I wonder because he had to have known and he is yes. friends with Al Monroe and he was yeah. at the... Fuck you, man. You just changed this perspective. Yeah. It,
0: it almost makes me start to think that he... Because up until you make that connection, he
1: mm-hmm. really
0: isn't a shapeshifter. No. I, I mean, it, it, in the whole... And that's what I meant by the question earlier was... How do you look at him? Because you don't realize that he is what he is until much mm-hmm. later. You can you mm-hmm. can assume that hey, what's gonna what's gonna go wrong here? But you don't know how. It's like if it was anybody else who wasn't connected to her friend, there'd be a chance
2: mm-hmm. that, that
0: that they could figure figure a way through this together. But because he was there, there is absolutely no way they are ever going to make it. And also, it makes me think. He knew what he was doing from the get go because how would he not remember that? Yeah, because he even says, like, was that, what was your friend's name? She goes, Nina. He goes, yeah, Nina. I think you would remember the name of the, Mm -hmm. you know, if if you were in that situation and all your Mm -hmm. friends were all playing cover up or whatever, I'm pretty sure that name would ring a bell.
1: You were sent that video too. Like, how? I mean, it's that
0: was. You can't forget about a video like that. No. So I, I thought by the end it was like, oh, this guy was a turd the whole time. But mm. it didn't appear that Man. way. At first, and I think that's why I was rooting for it to work. But then yeah. once you realize what this guy was a part of, it's like, oh, yeah. no, this was all bad from the get go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but it's but I, I mean, talk about extending that shit. It's like you don't realize what this guy is until late.
1: Yeah, yeah, but
0: but I mean, you know what? Um, I I think the most recent example—it's a fem fatale, uh, fatale example—would be uh, in Get Out with uh, what's her name's?
1: Uh, oh yeah, the girlfriend.
0: I can't remember her name. The girl from Girls.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I never watched Girls, but the the his partner. Yes, the daughter. He, he
0: said she pretty. Yeah, she. Mm-hmm. Um, she is. She's behind it the whole time. mm Hmm. Hmm. Um. And you don't realize that until the end. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. we've, been, we've been duped. Yeah. Um, you don't get that. It doesn't hit you over the head as hard in this movie, but it's right. like, oh, wait a minute. This dude knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but the
1: the neat thing with his character, and I think that this whole movie, the way that Emerald Fennel unraveled the entire movie, it feels like she's playing us like we're friggin' puppets or in the way that hitchcock put it he likes to play the audience like a piano i feel like she did that to us and even even if, if it's not totally intentional the more you think about it the more you're like wow she really fucked with me but for example with in talking about bo burnham's characters and our societal expectations which is a great parallel to this movie it's such a commentary on that is um that even though we have this falling out with the two where it's revealed that he was there at the party and knows full well what happened and didn't do anything and so that crumbles and then he also provides her with the address of the bachelor party this is how the traditional american version of it would have played out is that she goes to the party she gets upstairs he's got the pillow on her face and he is in the midst of killing her while everyone else is passed out downstairs And in walks Ryan and stops the guy so that he not only sees that Al Monroe is a bad guy because he's trying to kill her for seeking revenge on the situation, but then he redeems himself with Cassandra of like, look, I'm going to help you throw this guy in jail. I'm here to save you. That's what we expect. But what that would do is completely undermine a female-led movie. And that Mm. just reiterates this societal understanding that, or this misconception, I should say, that women can't do anything without men. And I'm so glad that it didn't go that way. And I was expecting it up until it was suddenly Mm. morning and that dude walks in. I'm like, okay, no. So is she faking that she's dead? That's pretty ballsy because it's a party of doctors.
0: Although, you know what? Is that she had played that passed out drunk so so many times. I was like, she's going to be able to play dead.
1: Yeah, but it, come on, it's doctors. They would know how to check her pulse and all that. But I was expecting it that she would just be like, "I'm here." It it was just so uh, such a manipulative film, but in the absolute best way possible. I I love it. The more I think about it, the more well, I love this well, film. Well, also
0: the casting of Bo Burnham in that character is you. <sighs> yeah. that guy's so lovable. You can't you don't expect anything bad coming from that guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Um. It's funny too, and not to. Well, I'm going to spoil something else, but I don't know. Have you have you seen the? Uh, oh God, I'm going to butcher. Am I butchering this? I'm not going to remember the name. Um. That that new show with, uh, I think it's on. Is it on Apple? Oh, this this is awful. Uh, Hugh Jackman and. Um, And uh who are the big names in that? Hugh Jackman and Well, wow, I'm really butchering this. <laughs> What's was, it about?
1: What's Tom Cruise's uh Oh you're talking about ex, um his ex wife. Not Hugh Jackman. Australian. Uh yeah, Nicole Kidman Nicole and Hugh Kiman Grant. And Hugh
0: Grant, I'm sorry. Yes. Wow. Yeah, the one Complete about butcher. uh
1: she's a psychiatrist and Is the... It called
0: the, uh the undoing?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah that that was another character. Uh, mm-hmm, did you mm-hmm. did you see it all? Oh yeah. Okay, as so long as I don't spoil it for you, I'll spoil it for you. Yeah, audience. no,
1: fuck it. Spoiler for everyone else. Knowing um, you should have watched it by now.
0: But, yeah, but but Hugh Grant's character is, mm-hmm. it's like even though even though at first you you're led to believe this is him, this is the guy, and then you get away and they give you they give you a couple other options. It could be this, could be this person, maybe mm-hmm. maybe the father, whatever. But that whole time they're they they're they're making you love. Hugh Grant. Yep. And then, so when they pull the, the, the curtain back again, you know, t- towards uh, that that uh, Act Three break, it's like wow, um, that really uh, it it really pulls the rug up from underneath the you know the audience's feet is because somebody you really kind of were enjoying the journey with, because I mean I mean because really you're watching this film as we talked about in the last lecture. We're 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 seeing this film through the eyes of Cassandra, through um, Carrie Mulligan's character, mm-hmm. and her biggest ally and friend through this whole thing is Ryan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's pretty much it's the love interest. It's her friend, sidekick, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it, but he holds this allied this ally role, which we'll get into uh, later when we talk about that archetype. But then to pull that out. Uh, from under you and and to be like oh that person you were having fun with you feel a little heartbroken as 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 the audience you're like oh man i thought we had something with that guy Mm -hmm. and he's a turd just like the rest of them yeah yeah um but i but i thought it was i thought it was disguised really well even even if you were thinking hey when's this guy gonna turn into a bag of poop Mm -hmm. um I thought they did it in, a, in an organic way, but in a in a way that was definitely masked, and and it really, uh, it it really got you to believe in the guy, and then, uh, which which I think is the problem with her probably her whole life, is <clears throat> everybody she has put her trust and her faith in and her love into, has probably turned out to be a similar type uh, character, mm-hmm. similar <laughs> type energy, is they end up hurting her in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we've we've talked about how most of the characters wear multiple masks or change them or layer them or whatever. Another one that I think can be, it traditionally is blended with other characters and might be sort of hard to pick out. And I'm curious what your thought is on it. Is the the herald archetype? Um, no, so that's what
0: I want to say about the shapeshifter. <laughs> Is yeah, and, be, and it's and it because I thought it, I thought that it hit well, uh, for the times that we're in, and you know, what was actually in Vogler's book. <clears throat> he actually traces the roots back to, uh, um, you know, back to uh, Athena and the Odyssey, but they also talk about Zeus being a huge, uh, shapeshifter,
2: mm hmm,
0: and how. You know, some of those, uh, you know, the Greek mythology and the, the pagan religions. <clears throat> Man, how come I can't find that? Anyway, um, you have Zeus, who was the god of all gods at that time, who is very much a shapeshifter. And, mm-hmm. what, and what would he do more often than not while shapeshifting? He would shapeshift to be with whatever female he wanted to be with. That's what it and it usually and 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 because of that, that female's life went on to be very challenged because of whatever, you know, because her children would be half gods, half, you know, more, you know, uh, mortals. But Mm -hmm. but if if you think about that from a cultural aspect, that 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 turns a totally different psychology, or at least turns it for the males to think that they have access to. Hey, Mm -hmm. I I shapeshift the way that I'm impersonating the god Zeus, with all the stories I've heard of God of of, uh, Zeus coming down here and taking over the body of you know going into the body of you know another uh, tribe member, a male tribe member, to try to get to the to the gorgeous uh, tribal princess. And then Mm -hmm. when she would go off and turn into a into a rabbit, he would turn into a rabbit. She would turn into an eagle. He would chase her as an eagle. He'd dive into the sea and and, and tra- uh, transform into a fish. He would do the same thing. He would be whatever he needed to be to seduce mm-hmm.
1: her. Right. Well, and for Ryan's character, he does he, exactly that. He is the embodiment of what she was originally aspiring to be. Yes. Of being a doctor and being successful. And I mean, they don't even like get into the the wealth part of it. It's not so much that, but it's a very um, Respectable position, especially being a pediatric surgeon—that he's saving kids' lives. How could he possibly be bad?
0: Well, again, what we just said about the Hugh Grant character—he same occupation, and and it's such a good one to pick because because that's very much what everyone, at least the other characters that defend them, they Mm -hmm. go, "What are you talking about? He's a bad person. He 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 saves children's lives.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's no way he could possibly be bad. Yeah." And, and but it's a perfect setup for sure that is. home fatale, that it's it's a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he, he fits very well as that. Um, so,
0: But but it really goes to show you how, in a different t- time, and, and, I mean, very much up until, what, the last, not to get into a whole thing about, uh, you know, g- gen- gender uh, discrimination, but if you think about it, the way in which people were brought up and what they believed in, you have your you know, the head of your entire belief system is doing just that. Mm-hmm. Is a chameleon can transform into anything to get exactly what they want. hmm mm-hmm. Uh and to be manipulative. That's that's almost it's almost taught in the culture. Right. And that's that's a hard one to shake off. <laughs> hey mm-hmm. do whatever you have to do be whoever you have to be to get what you want well all right that's totally different than what people want to believe drives us nowadays you know people call bullshit on that now mm-hmm. and, and people want to unveil that and be like you're you're a piece of shit um to you know and i think it's at times it goes too far with that too but everybody has this in them and and it's and and it's almost like you have to think and go a different way, to um, to 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 battle that because it's very easy to fall into that, for for many people,
1: mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know,
0: to, to wear as many masks as you need to get the result you desire,
1: right, right.
0: So, it, but um, but it's interesting because she absolutely flips that archetype on its head because she, we have our main character, our protagonist, doing just that. Doing things mm-hmm. that if we weren't seeing the story through her eyes, we'd be like, "Who is this crazy lady?" Like, like tell this story from Bo Burnham's eyes. I'm saying right. if he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't knowingly uh, pursuing her, you know, like we like we had mentioned before. If he, if he mm-hmm. didn't know, but I mean, imagine this guy trying to date somebody he knew from med school, and she's got all this shit going on. That's a that, that's a totally different story.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know. Right but it, it's interesting to put the shapeshift, shapeshifter up against the threshold guardian um, because they're very similar in that chameleon fashion of transforming to kind of get the point across or, you know, play that role. But it seems like the threshold guardian, the difference there in why we call her more of a threshold guardian is the um, the whole absorbing the energy and moving forward forward. And the shapeshifter um, it's I don't know. it seems more of like just kind of an internal struggle and like a more of a mental challenge with a shapeshifter versus the threshold guardian is more about like leveling up, so to speak. Does that make sense? Well, I
0: think that like I think we had we had said it uh, a little earlier that that threshold guardian is their function is to test and then to. And then for the uh, character to take on that energy, right. Uh, whereas the shapeshifter, <clears throat> I think the shapeshifter is more of, it's a uh, more of a function or a it, it's showing that there is there has to be a change made. We and ha- it we, seems we, like
1: we have to- more of a threat too, like oh, uh, potential yeah. to destroy. Yeah, like I, with the with the femme fatale things. I guess not so much destroy as like. Sidetrack and push you off your course, and you know, pull you away from that challenge. It, it feels like that's kind of how it functions.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's where you, yeah, you're going to get most like, even when you, with your uh, you know your sirens and your mermaids from you know uh, Greek mythology. It's like that's they're they're meant to seduce to pull you away from your goal. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he does exactly that. It's it's masked as being an ally, but he, like you said. He's pulling her away from this initial goal. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, so
1: yeah. Well, sorry, I've got like five minutes, and then I got to oh, yeah. hop off this. So I want to make sure we hit the herald. Um, so the herald is the the last archetype that we haven't talked about. Who has some similarities to the. Um, threshold guardian in that they issue a challenge and it kind of provides that call to adventure. Mm-hmm. It's uh, also like a spark that sets off the war. Um, the way that Vogler puts it is the heroes kind of getting by, then the herald throws them like off balance and yep. pushes them in a different direction. Who do you think is the herald of this story?
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think back to the...
1: Uh... Here's here's what I would say. Let me, so, yeah, let me
0: hear what you have, because I, I was thinking about the... Because uh, a lot of times the call to adventure will match up with the Herald. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think he, Ryan, is more the call to adventure here.
1: So that's kind of in the direction I'm thinking... This is my thought going back to earlier when I mentioned that this story from like a structural perspective of the ordinary versus extraordinary world is a total flop of what we would normally expect. Mm -hmm. Like a traditional story of this would be, um, getting into the adventure of seeking revenge and then going back to just being in love and everything's peaceful. Right. Yeah. So like in act two, we have the love and romance with Ryan, but that should actually be kind of the outside part of it, of what she's seeking. And we're not focusing so much on the, the vicious revenge. So if we think about it, that the getting into the extraordinary world is getting into this potential closure and romance and that kind of thing. If we're thinking about that is the adventure that she's being called to, mm-hmm. but then the underlying story is revenge and closing the, the Nina chapter. I would argue that it feels like Gail, you know, her boss at the coffee shop kind of plays a herald because Gail is the one that when Ryan is trying to pursue her, Gail is like pushing Cassandra towards him. Um, and kind of sparks that that adventure, you know. I, I have, um,
0: I'd have to go back and see if there's any. Uh, Cause usually it's gonna be. It doesn't always have to be a a person per se. Mm-hmm. It could be just an event pops up. Uh, there's a storm coming through. We just heard that. You know they're they're attacking us. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it could be this overall energy. I I can't. Re- I'm trying to think back to when.
1: But it's, I mean, the, the concept is to motivate the hero to seek adventure or change. And so if we're thinking about the story that she, when we meet her in the cold opening, she is already on this path of well, that's the th- revenge that's and destruction. Yeah, that's
0: what's different about this is that the motivating um, ordeal has happened prior to us. You know, it, it, it's, ha- it's happened before we come into the story.
1: Right, but there is also kind of like a B story going on here that I think if you're if you're analyzing what the Herald of this contained story is, I think it's the bigger arc with Ryan's character because um, he comes in at about 12 minutes is when he comes into the coffee shop and he's there for the duration of the journey and they say the Herald is usually, that kind of happens in Act 1. So that's why I feel like gail encouraging her to seek out this relationship is where it really propels this journey because i don't know that she would come full circle with her story yeah. without having taken this sidetrack with ryan
0: i'm trying to think is there a certain event or anything that he invites her to i'm trying to remember or any no kind of-
1: he he just like asks her on a date go to a movie and dinner and that kind of thing okay Yeah, there's not, yeah. like, a party or anything that triggers her. Like, because she doesn't get any information from him about her journey towards revenge until we're past, or after six Yeah, because
0: I th- I, after the way minutes. that I saw her friend was more acting more of a mentor, trying to, trying to give her motivate, trying to motivate, and trying to send her, you know, get her out of this comfort zone because she has to. But
1: the mentor often wears the Herald mask is what Vogler says.
0: Doesn't have to,
1: but often does. Oh, that's well, why I'm well, thinking much. Yeah. that Gail certainly is a mentor, and I think Gail puts on that Herald mask yeah, of the, like, "Here's your change, go this way," and it propels the story forward. Yeah,
0: yeah, you could be totally right there.
1: But it's tricky. Yeah, I definitely. think it, it, the Herald could be, con- or I don't know, processed a couple different ways. But that was just my thought: is that that's this is a, a fairly unconventional. Way of telling the story and uh, like unraveling it. So,
0: yeah. The um, the last thing I want to ask you, I I I think you are right about that. I think uh, who's who's that? uh, Laverne Cox, Mm -hmm. from uh, Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's good. She's good. Um, The. uh, But I, my, I, I had one question for you. What role is Nina? What archetype is Nina?
1: I want to say, I want to say mentor because I feel like in the same way that Luke Skywalker has these kind of like visions with Obi-Wan Kenobi as a ghost, I feel like she is that kind of mentor. And I'm going to look at my mentor notes really quick because I know there's a few different types of them.
0: Um, I would put her I, as, go ahead.
1: It, Like inner mentor is kind of the direction I'm going with that. In the same way that like with Dexter, his inner mentor is that code that he gets from his dad. So his dad kind of appears as this ghost throughout the story, you know, of giving him guidance. I feel like even though Nina doesn't show her face and doesn't appear as a ghost, I feel like trying to, I don't know, seek closure with her story and like fight for what's right is the energy that was mm-hmm. there with her that Cassandra's taking over. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely an inner dialogue. I think it could, um, she could fall into a few of them. I mean, I mean, you could even argue, you could even argue that it's the, uh, you know, that, that it's the shaman mentor, that it's the, that it's a shadow mentor. <clears throat> um, yeah almost when i say shaman it's almost like nina's in this other world but it's still able to influence her and her decisions Mm -hmm. but she is speaking to her kind of from a different a different uh dimension if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. um i think you know and you could also i mean you could also argue depending on who how you look at this because it is a very dark story and darkness does have to prevail in order for the 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 balance to be reset mm-hmm. because i mean if anybody else looks at this story they're going to think that you know that's this is hard i mean it is it is a horror story um but she accomplishes her goal but at the ultimate sacrifice at this right at, at the sacrifice of letting her mind you know, her, her mind's been completely taken over. Her, her She's, you know, she, by the end of the movie, she's dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, again, balance has been restored. Her goal has been achieved. But she did have to tap into this dark side of herself to be able to accomplish that. Um, but, at the, you know, but at the end of the day, it, 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 it also, in her mind, eliminates these bad people from potentially doing it to other people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's all, there's there's shades of good and evil in everything, really. Right. You know?
1: Well, again, why these archetypes are not just one rigid character. It's more of this energy that's constantly evolving, these masks that are put on and taken off, and these layers to character. And I think that this reiterates a point of good character development Um, or creating a good character is one that does wear different masks and does have different layers of the archetypes because as we know, the archetypes, it's these like human personality traits, the dark, the light, whatever it is, everything in between. Um, so no person, no human is just one note. There is no singular hero that doesn't have a dark side to them, you know, or these like inner demons or a moment of clarity like the the mentor this kind of voice of god coming in everybody has these different layers to them so if you have a character in a movie that is just one note and is just this rigid character and isn't these layers of archetypes then it's going to fall super flat Yeah. and i feel like that's an argument that we really had about um again always going back to soul so- Joe Gardner's character, I think that's a, a big problem. Again, just very flat, very one note, mm-hmm. doesn't have this depth to it. And having these layers helps propel the story arc and propel change and yeah. seeking out adventure and journey and everything like that.
0: And, then, and um, again, when we, when we do talk about uh, Cassandra going through some of these shape-shifting, uh, you know, where she's able to, to kind of change her form, um, to get to get the the result that she desires, we also there's a difference between what Joe Gardner's doing because everything is self. We talked about before, selfish mm-hmm. for personal right. reasons. She is doing this. Um, she's almost sacrificing herself for mm-hmm. the idea or for for the thought that this could. Um justify what happened with her friend it could also help stop this in the future right right that's what's motivating her so that that is even though she's doing these you know some people may think these are awful things or she's very conniving and she's you know probably considered mentally ill (laughs) um Mm -hmm. i think that you have to the audience sympathizes with her because it's like you just understand that her reasons are not selfish and um right or you come to realize that and once you do realize that it's like oh okay i get it now with joe gardner you know it's he never stops caring about himself until Mm -hmm. he's get he gets everything he wants from a material standpoint everything's been given to him by the end then he goes no i'm still not happy (laughs) it's like dude come on whereas this girl is willingly going out and eating shit you know figuratively she's putting Mm -hmm. herself out there every night to try to either eliminate these types of people or to and, and to and to uh you know revenge uh seek out revenge for her friend
1: yeah absolutely well thank you guys for tuning in today it's always fun diving into these movies and looking a little closer at christopher vogler's the writer's journey as well as joseph campbell's the hero's journey So we hope that you will join us again as we continue this journey. Um, And yeah, we'll see what's coming up next week. So until then, it's been real.